You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. With RUF at Howard University up in D.C. If you don't know what RUF is, RUF, Reform University Fellowship, it's the denominational campus ministry of the PCA, which is our denomination. And so we're so, we love so much as a former RUF campus minister, um, we love the work that RUF does. And Chris, we're excited to have you with us today. Let's give him, welcome him. Good afternoon. I'm going to say what a joy it is to uh, be here with you all this Sunday. I bring you greetings from Chicago. I moved here about four months ago. Um, Been on the ordination process. uh, Successfully passed on Wednesday. So I'm excited that now, yes, yes, does feel great. Now I get to just focus on uh, God's word for you guys this Uh, afternoon and this evening. Um, Thank you to Pastor Eric for the kind invitation, uh, and thank you, church, for welcoming me uh, into your church family. Uh, I've been told this fall you're in a series entitled Sent Out, so you're focusing on mission, mercy, justice, exploring evangelism. Thus, in the next few moments we have together, I'd like to lift up one topic uh, that you and I can glean from to enable us to stay the course as we go out into the world on Christian mission. One topic you and I can learn from, and that is the precious fruit of patience. Patience. The ability to wait patiently for God to accomplish his purposes in your time of need. Allow me to take us to the book of James. Will you please meet me in your worship guide or in your copy of God's Word, James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. Brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also Be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me once more before we look at this passage from the book of James. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you this afternoon. Jesus, I thank you for your word, and I ask that you would center our hearts on what you have for us today. Jesus, I ask that you would cleanse our 
hearts and our minds of, of thoughts that may distract us. God, I ask that you would make our hearts fertile soil for your word to be planted and that we would walk in Christ anew. We thank you for the death, resurrection, and ascension of your son, Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. There's a story that's often told of a New England preacher, Philip Brooks, who was known for his poise. He was cool, calm, and collected before he went up to preach. His closest friends, however, knew him as one who suffered moments of frustration and irritability. One day before a sermon, a friend saw Brooks pacing the floor like a caged lion. What's the trouble, Dr. Brooks, asked the friend. The trouble is, replied Brooks, I'm in a hurry, but God is not. And I bring it up, church, because I'm afraid Brooks is not the only one to express this frustration, but many of us have wrestled in our own lives. I'm in a hurry, though it seems as if God is not in a hurry, to wait upon the Lord in your times of trouble, to entrust your well-being, your family, your desires and plans in the hands of God, but feel as if God is taking his time. Truly, we humans have always wrestled with the need to be patient. As one writer put it, all people commend patience, but few are willing to actually practice it. There is something, isn't it, about hearing the words, be patient, wait, hold on, not yet, that really makes you and me uneasy, unsettled, aggravated. The two-year-old squirms with impatience as they are told to sit quietly in church, as he or she watches their brother or sister play with their favorite tour or toy or hears from their mother, wait, I'm speaking with another adult. It's the high school student who tries to remain calm as you feel the pressure to perform in every area of life to be accepted and approved. It's the young professional fighting to stay patient as you watch those around you achieve the career and relationship success that you so deeply desire. It's the employee who grows impatient as that Starbucks line is about to make you late for work as you endure heavy traffic, or for that service provider to take your phone call off hold. Just a short while ago, I had the privilege of dog-sitting a little toy fox terrier named Hadley. What a name. And every day as I was getting her food, she was jumping and ready to bark. Hadley, if you ever see this, I love you, but you are impatient. But for many of you, these may be the least of your worries this afternoon because we Christians battle a particular form of patience. And that's waiting on God in times of trouble. To continue to pursue Jesus and engage in spiritual disciplines when you wrestle to see the fruit and benefit in your Christian walk. To pray continually for the healing and deliverance from the pain in your family, wondering will God ever respond to your cry for help. To believe that God has the power to rescue your mind from anxiety, depression, and insecurity, but get upset that he just won't pull you out of that darkness to see the injustice and maltreatment that's so prevalent in our world and question 
God, do you see any of this? When will you stop this? To believe God will move in the hearts of your non-Christian neighbors, but, but second-guess whether engaging those neighbors will be fruitful. And this is where patience becomes a battle. As Christians, we've placed our hope and our trust in the Lord. We've given our desires over to God so that our desires, our will, is confirmed and conformed over to his. But, but how many have wondered, Lord, I feel as if there's something so good for me that you're withholding from me. God, it seems as if you're making me wait. And while I know in my brain cognitively that, that you hear my prayer God, sometimes I question in my soul whether, whether you'll come through in the way that I desire or if I'll be left out to dry. And as a result, I, I waver in faith. It feels best to take matters into my own hands rather than obeying Christ. How can I possibly wait patiently for you, O oh God, in a world of uncertainty, discouragement, and disappointment? Well, surely... If there were a group of Christians who dealt with this question, it was the original recipients of James's epistle. James, this is the half-brother of Jesus, a pastor in the early church, pens this letter to a body of believers who have been abused and, and beaten around by the rich and powerful in their city. They're discouraged and upset, asking, will, will life be like this forever? Has, has God abandoned us? Do we have to fight back, or will God fight for us? But James, imitating his brother Jesus, assures them, God has heard your cries. He has seen your pain. He is never late, but has a redemptive plan and will be faithful to work that plan out. So keep going, because God is trustworthy. God is sovereign, and while patience is bitter, the fruit is always sweet. And it won't always be easy, but, but patience will grow you in faith. Patience is one of those great Christian virtues. It begs the question, how can Christians wait patiently for God amidst an unjust and difficult world? Well, James teaches us in our text this afternoon. We can be patient in difficult times when we trust the character and purpose of our caring God. In our passage today, James illustrates how knowing the nature and the plan of God can enable you and me to stay patient. And he begins by telling us that we ought to wait patiently for God because God is closer than he may feel in times of trouble. Verse 7, James exhorts, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives those early and the late rains. You also be patient. Remember, James is writing to a community of Christians who have been disheartened at their low position in the city. These believers who have trusted in the Lord Jesus have experienced violence, Exploitation and humiliation at the hands of the wicked, and, and they've tried to keep the faith, attempted to hold on to hope, but in the midst of much hurt and loss have questioned, how long, O oh Lord, until you answer our prayers for help? How, how long until you run to our aid? Will you come to our rescue? But it's James, as the pastor friend that he is, comes with good news. 
He says, take heart, children of God, because your cries have reached the ears of your heavenly Father. God has heard your situation in the city has not gone unnoticed, but, but God has seen and he has decided to step in and act on behalf of the beloved. Because one day, James says, will be the coming of the Lord. And we bring ourselves back to Genesis chapter 3, where, where it was there in the garden where Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. They broke their relationship with the Father, broke their relationship with nature, one another, bringing sin and misery, as our Westminster Shorter Catechism explains. And, and it says that you and I were separated from the Father, unable to restore ourselves but God. Loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross in our place, paying the debt you and I could not pay, to reconcile all things back to himself in love. It was on the third day where Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin, hell, and the grave. And, and just as Jesus came from heaven to earth to give his life for you and me, he will return again to make all things right in righteousness. James says he will take care of the wicked. He will do away with evil. He will rescue his people, saving all those who have placed their faith in him. This we are to hold on to. Ergo, there are seasons in the life of a Christ follower where God does not seem as near as he once was, as if he's distant, hiding, removing himself from the cares of our heart. But this passage reminds us that God does remain close to us. He is not far or ignoring our cares, but, but God is very near. God is at work, James says. And because God is near, since he's heard your prayers and is on his way, James calls you and me to be patient as we wait for the Father to come to our aid. Be patient. This is the response of the Christ follower in times of distress. Wait patiently for the Lord. And James calls his community to wait patiently for the coming of the Lord. And, and this is our call for us this afternoon to, to wait patiently for God to meet us in whatever situation we find ourselves. You ask Chris, what, what does this patience even look like? Well, James... Like an artist, he, he paints the picture for you and me. He says, patience looks very much like the farmer who waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. James goes into story mode. He illustrates for you and me in verse 7. He says, imagine how a farmer goes out and sows the seed, desiring one day to receive his precious crop. To see the precious fruit, yet he knows that in order for the crop to be produced, he must wait on two seasons of rain. You see, those early rains coming around October are essential to soften the ground for plowing. And the late rains coming around April are essential to maturing those crops shortly before the harvest. And the farmer waits day after day, hoping the rain will arrive, although he himself is in anguish psychologically. Because he himself, he's not in control of when that rain will arrive. The farmer is not in control of the weather. 
He doesn't know if the weather will fluctuate, leaving him helpless. But he does have a surety. He's confident that something will come about. He has hope in the outcome, which helps him to endure. And while the farmer does not know when all will be well in his situation, what the farmer does have is expectation. The farmer expects that just as the rain came through the previous year, the rain will be faithful to come through this year. He knows the rain will come in due season, therefore he can be patient. He can remain calm and peaceful as he waits because he knows that although he cannot see the crop now, that rain is sure to fall at just the right time. And church, may we be reminded of this truth. Our God is more dependable than the rain. He's more trustworthy. He's more faithful. As the farmer expects the rain to show up at the right time, we can expect God to return at the right time. It may not be in the way we imagined. It may not come in our time frame. But as one author writes, God loves us too much to answer our prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. And so in the midst of uncertainty, may our souls be reminded that, that God is near to us and our family, God is there. And our friend group, young people, God is near. And your self-esteem, God can give us a boost in Christ. In our spiritual life, God will bring fruit so we can be patient. We can wait patiently for God to return in his timing. After all, he's carried his people thus far. As the farmer waits with longing and expectation, we are to wait for King Jesus to return. As the farmer trusts the as he trusts the faithfulness of God to provide both early and late rain, we can trust God's faithfulness to provide in any area of life. Patience. The kingdom is at hand. He's closer than ever. Thus the power to wait patiently lies in our conviction that, that God is near and our God is moving all things to their intended end. However, not only does the farmer wait patiently with expectation, but there's also an active piece to this patience, cultivation. Ah, it just sounded pretty cool. Continuing to work even when you don't yet see any results. You see, often we think of patience as, as only passive, as sitting around doing nothing, just waiting on things and circumstances to hopefully work themselves out, but but what James urges upon Christ followers is not a passive patience, but a Christian patience that does the good works of God while also trusting in God. For patience is not merely passivity, but patience involves a little activity. And just as the farmer continues to cultivate, continues to work even when his crop seems far away, friends, you and I are to do the same. Here's the word. Work while you wait. For those who are waiting to see the fruits of your Christian labors, transformation in those you minister to, growth in your own spiritual walk, keep cultivating those spiritual disciplines, trusting that God will bring growth and fruit in due season. You may be believing God to answer your prayers for him to move in a specific way. Worship while you wait. Because he's never late. For those of us who lament the sin and malpractice in our 
society, we, we fear for our children, trust that nothing we do today is being wasted. But in our pursuit of the righteousness, the justice, the mission of God, whether it be caring for the lonely, the weak, the lost in our city, living against the unjust practices in our workplace, praying for God to bring justice. These are the things God calls us to. This is the picture of the Christ follower who cultivates as he waits. There's a children's story that I really think is awesome. It's a funny tale of two frogs who fell into a tub of cream. One frog looked at the high sides of the tub, which were too difficult to crawl over and said, it is hopeless. So he resigned himself to death, relaxed, and sank to the bottom. Oh, but the other frog, he determined to keep swimming as long as he could. Something might happen, he said in his mind. That frog kept kicking and churning and finally he found himself on solid platform of butter and jumped to safety. And this is the picture of the Christ follower who continues to churn, to cultivate a life of prayer and submission and service and evangelism, even when the fruit cannot be seen in the moment. Cultivate while you wait. For it was Paul who tells us in Galatians, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so James encourages us to be patient like the farmer, but, but in the meantime, he gives us two actions we are to pursue while, while we wait patiently for God. First, he says, we are to strengthen our hearts. He says in 8b, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. To establish your heart is essentially to be rooted, to be firmly committed, standing firm in the faith and not giving in to doubt. In the, in the midst of a trial and discouragement, ask God to strengthen your heart, to build your faith in him so that you won't waver in any trial, but will stay anchored in him. God, help me to stand firm in your love for me. Help me, Lord Jesus, to remain committed to the hope of the gospel. And the reason for this James says it's because God is near. The return of Christ, the coming of the Lord, is at hand. God is close. Nevertheless, James also knows that one of the temptations when you and I are waiting for something, waiting for the Lord in troubling times, is for you and me to speak against one another in our distress, which is why he gives the second command in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. To grumble is to complain, to express discontent of others. Truly, we only need to look at our society the last three to four years to understand that there's something about collective suffering. So when everyone is going through stress at the same time, when everyone is fatigued and tired, the same year, that really pushes you and me to, to turn against one another, to grumble about each other. But James gives wise counsel. He says, that's not for you. Do not let your anger or frustration or fatigue cause you to grumble against others in the Christian community, in the church, 
in the privacy of your own home, on your social media feed. For this is the opposite of patience, the antithesis of the Christian faith. But it's true Christ-like patience that bears with one another in love, showing kindness when it may not be reciprocated, extending forgiveness though it would be easier to withhold it. And there's already a judge. James says God is already standing at the door. He hears and sees the things that you and I say and do towards one another, and he desires that we would be the kind of church to exercise patience with our brothers and sisters just as he's been patient with you and me, because God is close, we can be patient in times of trouble. You may ask, well, Chris, I know God is close and will answer in his timing, but in my soul, how can I be assured that God's plan is actually good? How can I know God's heart? I would love to wait patiently for God, but How do I know if God has something good on the other side of my waiting? Well, James goes on to move us to his second point. We ought to wait patiently. We ought to remain steadfast, excuse me, in our trials because of God's good purposes in our trials. Verse 10, he says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those who blessed who remain steadfast. And so James, he, he takes off and he moves to explain that in order to patiently wait for God, to make it to the other side in the Christian faith, it involves steadfastness, continuing on the same path in spite of opposition. And James encourages that in the midst of uncertainty, in a world of heartache and headache, I want you to look to the example of those who have suffered yet endured. In the same way that our culture loves to celebrate those who have gone through hardship and and pushed through hardship, James says, in a higher and holier way, I want you to look to the hardship of those prophets. When you feel it'd be easier to give up in faith, when you can't find the energy to keep going, when the waiting becomes too hard, Open your word and remember the men and women of God who faced adversity but stayed patient in that adversity. Recall the faith of those who were pressed on every side, yet decided to press on. The ones who persevered, trusting in God to fulfill his promises. And by looking to the way these men and women were steadfast in the faith, it it will be an example for you to follow in your own trial. As you remember the preacher Jeremiah, who was mocked and beaten throughout his entire ministry, having only two converts to the faith in over 40 years, but he continued to bring the Lord's word every day. What about Daniel, who was pushed into that lion's den because he continued to pray to the Lord, but he waited patiently for God to shut the lion's mouths? Or Elijah, who felt he was the only person in his community who truly loved the Lord, but but God comforted Elijah. Or Moses, who was mistreated with the Hebrews instead of enjoying the pleasures of Egypt, but, but even he made it to the hall of faith. Or what about Mary and Martha, those two sisters, who were crushed after the death of their sick brother, but But they watched Jesus raise Lazarus back to the grave. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. 
having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. But James says, in case you need an even better example, he says, I'll give you one. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. James says, if you need a model, if you need encouragement to remain patient in your pain, remember Job. Job, I love this story, the story of the righteous man in the Old Testament, the one of great character who feared God and turned away from evil. In spite of all that, he was still pursued and attacked by Satan. Remember, Job lost it all, his wealth, his children, even his health. And after dealing with his friends who made his suffering worse, his wife said, Job, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job stayed firm and unwavering in his faith. Through it all, Job remained steadfast. He cried out to God. He challenged God, but held out despite the difficulty. He resolved to stick with God, to trust God as he went through trials. When it would have been easier to leave the faith, Job kept the faith. He kept his devotion to the Lord. And this is the part of the story I love. Job could not see God's purposes in the moment. You and I, when we read the story of Job, we, we can see what the Lord is up to. We know what Satan did in chapter 1. Job has no view of what God is up to. But he does know God's character and God's nature. He knows God's track record, how God has never failed anyone before. And Job knew he would see the purpose of the Lord. And sure enough, in chapter 42, the story tells us that in the end, God restored everything twice over in Job's life. This was the end, the purpose of God in Job's life to display his compassion and mercy. And there's someone in the sanctuary in the same predicament. You cannot see God's providence, God's purpose for your pain this afternoon. But you can trust his affection for you. You can trust God's sympathy towards you. You can trust that if he did not withhold his own son, how will he not graciously give you all things, Romans tells us. And wasn't this the spirit of our Lord Jesus? This was the spirit that enabled Jesus to remain patient as he endured the cross, despising its shame. Hope in the power and the plan of God, which resulted in a beautiful patience. Jesus had strength to endure. So to the person who's about to give up in prayer, you question, has God heard me? Keep praying, my friend, James would say. Our Father bends down to listen, the psalmist says, to your prayers, and, and he'll answer in his timing. The Father does hear you and will be on time. To the one who's frustrated about the lack of fruit you see in your Christian life or even in your ministry, keep cultivating. God is at work even when you cannot see the fruit in the moment. And to the man or woman who's about to give up ministering to your children, ministering to your spouse, your non-believing neighbors, know that God is doing more than you can ever imagine. So do not quit, beloved. Do not grow weary, my friend. Don't leave. Hold on just a tad longer. Wait on him. Be patient. Our Lord Jesus is too good. He's full of compassion and mercy. He will return at the right time. And as I conclude, remember, 
Patience is not merely passivity, but patience is confidence in the character and plan of our caring God. Patience is endurance with the assurance that sin, suffering, and death will not have the last word. But Christ who rose from the grave, he, he has the last word. In a world that can be difficult, when you recall the faithfulness of God, how you're secure in his hand, and he is indeed returning soon to bring us to himself, this can enable you and me to re remain patient, waiting for him. Know that Christ, our wonderful, merciful Savior, is on his way, so may we wait patiently for him in the meantime. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I ask that you would help us to wait patiently for you, um, Lord Jesus, for you to return, uh, to bring us to yourself. God, we lament uh, some of the uh, tough moments and distress in our lives, our own hearts, the things we see, and I ask that you would help us to keep um, a steadfast spirit uh, holding fast to your gospel. I ask that you would guide us forward from this day in Christ. Lord Jesus, give us strength, and I ask that you would remind us you are with us and you are doing more than we can ever imagine. Your scripture tells us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.